2: anyway. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track from managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Uh, Very happy to be joined by one of my favorite players that I ever covered with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Scored 96 goals in three years with the Wild. That still ranks ninth in Wild history. He's only one of six 30-goal scorers in Wild history, and he's second all-time in number of 30-goal seasons with three. He's fifth with 39 power play goals, fifth in Wild history with nine shootout goals, usually a slapper. Uh, Third with seven shorthanded goals, uh, sixth with 21 game-winning goals, played 21 years in the NHL, won a Stanley Cup, a three-time Olympian, won a silver there, won a gold in uh, one of two World Cups, and he also obviously won a national title at Lake Superior State. Uh, Brian Ralston, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Mike. Good Good to be here. Um, man, tell tell me what you are doing now because it just seems like, uh, you know, we always see you when we come to Detroit at Little Caesars Arena. I know that you're the director of the Little Caesars uh, Amateur uh, Hockey Association and, and also the uh, man behind the Ralston Hockey Academy.
0: Yeah, well, um, everything happens through your kids. You know, you retire from uh, a great sport and, and uh, I have kids, obviously, that started uh, – they started in Minnesota, as a matter of fact, Ryder, my, my oldest started in Stillwater, Minnesota. Um, And, you know, after you retire uh, they're pursuing their, their dreams uh, as a hockey player. And one thing leads to another leads to another. And all of a sudden I have an Academy that's kind of uh, I kind of did it for my oldest son and it's kind of snowballed. And we up to, we have up to 25 to 30 kids um, that come to our Academy for, you know, off ice and on ice skill development, and uh, also with the Little Caesars Amateur Hockey uh, is uh, you know running that as well. So um, I'm I'm keeping busy and uh, gives you a nice purpose and, and a you know a a, a good avenue to, to give back what you've uh, what you've already been through.
1: What you know, it just amazes me, Brian, that Ryder. Writer- This is his draft year. I I just remember Ryder. First of all, I was watching an international tournament on TV at some point this hockey season, and they show Ryder on TV, and I almost fell off my chair. And then, uh, you know, I just look back to those locker room games where after games we'd be interviewing you after a game, Brian, and all of a sudden Ryder would walk in there with his his stick and start playing in the middle of the carpet in the Minnesota Wild locker room. And now this, this kid is um about to go to Notre Dame he's about to get drafted in the NHL it's just it's just ridiculous to me
0: it is it's it's crazy how time flies and you know he had a he has had a, a love for the game since you know obviously when your dad plays and you get to see him in the national hockey league i think that definitely sparks it but uh you know he's always had kind of special skills since he was little but uh you know well, I'm really excited for him uh, you know obviously it's a day-by-day process and uh he had the you know the honor of playing for the ntdp and and then last year played in waterloo in the ushl and we'll move on to notre dame uh this coming season and uh and i'm excited for him you know he's he's gonna probably get drafted this year in the national hockey league and uh you know and and uh we keep him grounded you know we we know that that's just a pat on the back that he's done good things up to this point but (laughs) Obviously, getting there and staying there are two different things, and uh, he knows all about that.
1: It just it boggles my mind that he was four years old when you first started playing with the Minnesota Wild. I mean, it's just it's just nuts.
0: It is. It's crazy. It, time flies, and my other kids are growing up, and it's uh, it's just interesting to see the process of it all, and you know, obviously, what I went through as well.
1: You have four uh, four boys, uh, Brody, Stone, and Zane as well. Uh, are they all hockey players as well?
0: Well, th- uh, three of the four boys play hockey, and uh, I coach my 05, which will be U- uh, under fifteen this year, and that'll be I'll be coaching one of the Little Caesars teams. And so I coach him right now. So he's got a couple more years before he's done with uh, high school, and uh, you know who knows what I'll be doing after that.
1: We're talking uh, with uh, Brian Ralston. This is Straight from the Source with Michael Russo to subscribe to The Athletic for 40% off. Go to uh, theathletic.com slash Straight from the Source and uh, you'll absolutely love the uh, the website. Um, Brian, you know, uh, Ryder, is, as you mentioned, is going to Notre Dame, uh, coached by Jeff Jackson, who I think you know pretty well.
0: Yeah, I do. Obviously, <laughs> pretty interesting situation that uh, Ryder's going to play for my college coach. Um, I had Jeff. Yeah, I had Jeff, um, at Lake Superior state. Obviously I was lucky enough to win the national championship, uh, my freshman year and, uh, had some great success with Jeff. And obviously, uh, you know, when you make jumps from junior hockey to college and then college to pro, you need to, you need to learn from, from people, um, that know the game. Well, obviously there's a lot of great coaches out there, but, uh, with Jeff, uh, He's got a lot of structure in his game and and he's excited to be coaching Ryder and uh, Ryder's excited to, to, to have him as a coach, uh, especially after uh, being in in our lives for a long time, Jeff has, including with my brother who uh, was an assistant coach with him.
1: Yeah. And, and they have had a talk about a stable coaching staff. Andy slagert has been there forever. um, And I'm sure he probably, what's that?
0: Yeah. He does a great job. He does a great job recruiting and, Andy's been there and Paul Pooley. Paul Pooley yep. was my assistant at Lake Superior State as well. So uh, great coaching staff. Obviously, Notre Dame is an unbelievable campus and, you know, obviously very, you know, well-rounded uh, as far as academics and all the things that uh, you look for in a school.
1: What, what's it say about Jeff Jackson's longevity that he could coach you as a freshman in college and here he's about to coach Ryder Ralston as a freshman in college?
0: Well, you know what? Jeff's gone around. I mean, he's, he's, he's earned it. You know, he, he was at uh, the NTDP. He actually started the NTDP. Uh, He was the first coach there. He coached in the National Hockey League for a little while. Um, Obviously he had great success in college. And then obviously he's at the spot now that uh, he's, he's really built up that program and uh, not a surprise. You know, he's, he's built up programs to national championships and um it's not a surprise that he's there and, and doing very well
1: brian uh we're talking with brian ralston uh he played 1256 nhl games uh 342 goals 761 points um probably the most consistent wild free agent in history 330 goal seasons in your in your three years here should have been four years but there was a lockout in between um and brian when you know, how tough was it to kind of step away from the game and step into this new life? I mean, do, do you go through those moments uh, afterwards where you, you, you miss it desperately? Or is it pretty simple to make that transition?
0: I don't think it's simple for anybody to make a transition after you've played you know, professionally for about 21 years. And and then the next day or the next year, you're just not doing it anymore. (laughs) It's a, it's a huge transition. And I think you see a lot of players struggle with it. Um, Obviously when you're in the spotlight, like you are in the national hockey league and all the accolades and things that come from it, um, when you step away from the game, it can be very difficult. I mean, I was lucky enough to play 17 years in the, in the league. So it it was time for me and I felt, I felt pretty good about my career. And uh, I think it was easier for me than I think it is for a lot of guys because they don't obviously have maybe the longevity or, um, that don't have those things, but it's definitely difficult. The first year is a huge adjustment. And then from there, you just try to find some purpose in, in what you're doing. And my purpose comes in my kids and, and, uh, so that's that's what I focus on, and, and uh, obviously being a good dad and, and a good husband.
1: And you were you were uh, that's the one thing I always remember when uh, you played here in Minnesota is that you were all about your family, um, how proud you were of watching your kids uh, be able to kind of start, especially Ryder in the you know at that age in the in the Minnesota kind of youth hockey, um, and and all that comes with that. Um, what did you love most about playing for the Wild?
0: Well, you know, Mike, it was, it was interesting that we even wound up in Minnesota. You know, I became a free agent after being in, uh, had some strong years in Boston. And then, uh, it, I think LA was after me a little bit and then LA kind of dropped out and, and the wild were sitting there. So it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, to go back with Jacques Lemaire, to, to go back to a, uh, to a, a market in Minnesota. I mean, we look my family looks on it as the best, some of the best years of my career. And they were obviously on the ice, but, uh, just an amazing time. Um, you, you know, I talked with Amico Miko the other day, I had him on one of my, uh, Ralston hockey, uh, videos. And I talked about having him and Burnsy and Butch and, uh, all these young guys, you know, just coming up and you look at the careers that they, that they've had. And if we could have had all of those guys and you think about this as an organization, if you have all those guys at their peak at one time, think of how much more, how much stronger we would have been as a team, even Gabby at the time. But, uh, you know, we just had, we had, we had some good teams there and obviously, it was a blessing for me to be able to go to Minnesota and play for Jacques again, because he's the guy, he was my mentor and he was the guy who, uh, you know, I got my start with in New Jersey. So all of those things wrapped up in one, obviously Ryder starting hockey there in Minnesota. What an amazing place for him to start. I still think I'm in the Detroit area right now. I still think Minnesota does the best job uh, at the, at the younger levels to how they, how they run things by city and, you know, it's a lot of experience and, and, uh, it's, it was a
1: great time. And you've come here for tournaments with, uh, with your kids as well. How, how do you think, uh, you know, I know that we're jumping around here, but you, you bring up youth hockey, um, you know, after this, this, um, this pandemic that we've had, when eventually we start to, you know, open things up more, how, how do you think that youth hockey will change? Uh, and when do you see things really starting to open up, especially in Michigan where you are?
0: Jeez, Mike, we got hit hard, you know, mm-hmm. and, um and we're 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 one of the states that are very slow at reopening and And I'll be honest, i just I just don't know how, without a vaccine or or something that can fight this, uh, how you put forty kids on the ice, basically twenty, twenty and twenty for a game, and then you have parents in the crowd. I just don't know how you do that short term. I think they're going to be very safe about it in Michigan. and uh, you know, I'm I'm on calls all the time with our Michigan Amateur Hockey Association, and I think they're feeling the same way. Um, getting kids back on the ice, I think it's going to be very slow. And obviously, the you know the are- arena's opening and have the money to do it, and you worry about the economic uh, part of it as well. I mean, obviously, to play hockey as a young player is a luxury. You know, it's a luxury, and parents have to pay for it, and it's can be expensive as well. So uh, I think it's going to be a slow uh, process as we we come back out of this.
1: Do you do you worry? You mentioned that you're you're going to coach your O five this year. I mean, do you worry that if all of a sudden, you know, it's either a slow process back or he even misses a year, that this, this overall in the grand scheme of of hockey in the in, on this continent could really slow the development um, down for a, that that could you know potentially have long term effects.
0: I don't know if it's going to go that far. I think that. Um, I think it could go up to the new year, but I, I, I don't think it's going to hurt uh, long-term um, obviously initial pain is going to be, who knows if we're going to start amateur ho- hockey at a, you know, in September, I, I, just, I don't know if I see that happening, but uh, I think by, you know, maybe January somewhere in there, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously information comes out on a daily basis. So I think long-term will be just fine
1: you um and, and you know just because these kids can't get on the ice do you have anything that you would uh suggest as far as advice when it comes to um doing skills to, to help now even though you're not able to do on the ice i mean it, are there things that kids could do you know in their backyards on, in their driveways in the in the gym that could really help them in the in the long term even though they're being kind of kept away from the ice right now
0: yeah obviously you know working on your stick handling all the time with a ball or puck or whatever you have shooting pucks i mean there, you know, I, I talk about fundamentals all the time and, um, you know, passing, shooting, skating, all of those things are so important. And the more you can practice them, even with, if you're off ice, uh, the better you'll be, You'll get at it. And, uh, you know, I, when I was young, I used to shoot puck after puck after puck. And uh, my kids are out shooting uh, on a daily basis. And um, well, I'm lucky enough to have a gym. So, you know, Ryder and I are training. Uh, in the gym with weights, but you know, there's a lot of body weight things out there. And there's so much information out there on the internet that kids can stay active and, and try to get strong. But uh, it's important that you you, you uh, keep yourself going and, and continue working on your skill set all the time.
1: By the way, I was, um, I know your brother, Ron, uh, coaches at Providence. He's the associate coach. I just did a, uh, just talked to Marcus Foligno about uh, 45 minutes ago and Marcus wanted to send his best to Ron and see how he was doing.
0: No, oh, that's great. Yeah. Ron's doing awesome. Uh, obviously, uh, he's another coach that has been around. He's been around a lot of different, uh, colleges and, you know, he, he does such a great job, him and Nate Lehman there in Providence. And, and uh, He's a lifelong coach, and I've learned a lot from him and continue to uh, you know he he acts as an advisor for my uh, academy as well and um, it, it's it's great to have a resource like him. he's He's very passionate about what he does.
1: Yep, Ron Ralston coached Marcus uh, both with Rochester and in Buffalo, and uh, I know that uh, that Marcus loved playing for him. Um, you mentioned uh, Jacques Lemaire uh, um, and um, and what type of mentor he was for you. Obviously, you started in the in the mid '90s with the New Jersey Devils, uh, won a Stanley Cup with some guy named Bill Guerin. Um, you know the how much do you think when I talk about Brian Ralston to people? You know, people always talk about your your ability to skate, your incredible shot. Um, you know all the goals that you scored but but you were one of the best two-way forwards that I have ever covered how much does that go back to what you know maybe what Jeff Jackson also taught you in college but but really what Jacques Lemaire taught you in, in New Jersey
0: yeah I mean um, you, you, when you're a younger player you work on your skill development and you get better at, at those things and you go you're in junior hockey and you score all these goals and then you go to college and you know, you think you're going to score 50 goals and that doesn't happen. You have to start learning to play, uh, the defensive side. And Jeff definitely started that with me at Lake State, but then I got with Larry Robinson and Jacques Lemaire in New Jersey. And, and basically when I started there, I was on a checking line, uh, with, uh, Bobby Carpenter and, uh, John McLean, And, uh, I had to learn that side or else I wasn't going to play. And, and I'm so fortunate. And I've said this all along that if, when I, if I didn't have Jacques at a young age, I would, my career would have been probably way shorter. And I know it would have been way shorter and, and learning those things to, to get trusted, um, are huge. And, you know, those are the things that I stress with Ryder and being able to play away from the puck and being good defensively. And, um, those things were uh, monumental in my career, and and having Jacques and and you, I know you're not a, a stranger to all these players saying the same things like Wes Walls and even Miko. We talked about it the other night, and uh, he's uh, he's just a guy that you knew had a deep understanding for the game.
1: Was Jacques I mean, was he the first person that put you at the on the point at the power play?
0: Uh, I think he was as a matter of fact I think that was in New Jersey um, he put me on the point and then Robbie Fatorik also used me there as well so um,
1: yeah what would be your best uh your your kind of quintessential Jacques Lemaire story
0: well I mean i I have told the story about him telling me that I should shoot my slap shot in the in the penalty shot but um <laughs> You know, there are so many things, there's so many, Mike, but, you know, like early on in my career, um, you know, I would go in and score like two goals and then the next game he'd take me out of the lineup and I'd be thinking, what is this guy doing? I mean, I'm lighting it up here and 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 you learn as a, as the process moves on in your career, you realize, oh, that's that's what he was doing. And I mean, it's all of those learning things that you can, uh, that you learn from other players. Um and from your coaches. But, uh, you know, Miko said something to me that was pretty interesting. Um, and I agree with him a hundred percent. And we were talking about Ryder and his draft and we're, and Miko was like, the one thing that I would say is you want him to go to a team where they have good leadership. They got guys Mm -hmm. that you can say, Hey, play like this guy, watch how this guy is a pro. That's what's important. And I thought that was pretty – I thought that was right on.
1: And obviously, I mean, Miko has said a gazillion times that that's what he did when he got to Minnesota is he really looked at you and Wes. Um, Why do you think that Miko, who if you remember at that time, you know, was a young kid. he, he He was older than your typical rookie, but he spoke very little English. They essentially put you next to him in the locker room to have you rub off on him. How, why do you think that he did take to you and why did you take to him?
0: Well, Miko, uh, I knew that he was a two-way player right away. I saw how he competed. He was just, he was, I think you hit it there that his maturity level was beyond um, an 18 year old or what, however old he was at the time. And I just knew, you know, he had some great leadership, obviously from his father, and and obviously he's got a, you know, his brother as well was a captain for Montreal, so he came from great bloodlines. But you could see the maturity in him at a young age, and and uh, I knew for a long time that the Wild would be good, in good hands uh, with the leadership they had in that room.
1: The um, you know, not to give uh, you know, state secrets of what you guys uh, talked about, but um, you know, how much. I mean, do you expect that this is probably it for Miko? If uh, you know, after hopefully that this league does return this summer.
0: You know, you never know. I mean, um, it's 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 how he feels, uh, how his body is reacting. Um, you just never know. Um, sometimes uh, uh, I haven't really talked to him much about that, but um, it's hard for a player just to to leave if they feel good. You know, even if maybe the organization is ready to move on, which happens all the time. And the majority of the time you don't retire on your terms. And uh, that's just a fact because you played for so long and you've been so successful um, and you think you can still play. So I'm not sure what he will do, but uh, regardless of whether he plays or he doesn't play, um, you know, it'll be the right decision for him.
1: Yeah. And, uh, man, it would be that, you know, part of really why I hope that the league does come back this soft season, this, this summer is because just in case he do, it, this is it, man, it would be just tragic if that's how a career ended because of a global pandemic. And we never see Miko Koivu play in a Minnesota wild uniform again.
0: You know, that's, isn't that crazy? And that could be, that yeah. could be the case for a lot of players in the national league. Um, I, I noticed lately that um, there's some players uh, getting back on the ice, it seems uh, on social media. Have mm-hmm. you heard anything as far as, uh, yeah, is there, is there any kind of talk?
1: Yeah, I think that, that basically – well, I know in Sweden that they're allowed, but I have – I've like I just talked to Felino and he said that his – you know, there hasn't been a case in where he is in Sudbury in 12 days, so suddenly things are starting to open up. And, and I do think that is the case is that players are – even though they're technically not allowed by the NHL, that they are kind of secretly going to facilities that are open up to at least start skating again.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It'd be interesting to have hockey through the summer, wouldn't it? But it would be nice to watch something. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Uh, how weird will it be though, if no fans are in the stands, I mean, you've played a lot of games. I, I, I mean, one of the things I always remember about you are your goal celebrations and how pumped up you get after goals, Brian. And can you imagine if you, you have that and you look in the crowd and there's nobody there?
0: It would be, it would be definitely a weird, really weird. And, uh, Just a crazy time that we're in right now. And it would be, it would be unreal. It would be unreal. And, uh, but it would be nice to, to at least, uh, have something on TV for people to watch. And, you know, it looks like the NFL is going to try to do something. So it'll be, it'll be crazy.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Um, we're talking with Brian Ralston on Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. To subscribe to the Athletic, the athletic. slash straight from the source will get you in for forty percent off. Uh, tons of incredible stories uh, throughout our site. I have. Uh, it seems like every day I'm writing a different Karel Kaprasov story. You can come up, go on there, and read that. Uh, we also have podcasts uh, all throughout. Our uh, website and our applicate, our app. Uh, John Cooper, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, coach, is on two man advantage with Pierre LeBron and Scott Burnside this week. So please, uh, please uh, listen to that as well. Um, Brian, I got so many Twitter questions uh, for you, um, um, and several regarding your slap shot that you used in the shootout and the penalty shot. The one, what do you think? I mean, you know, to me when you first. Unveiled the slap shot in the shootout. It was really a an exciting thing because, again, remember you starting with the Minnesota Wild and into you, you debuted with the Minnesota Wild in two thousand five. You actually signed the year before during the lockout, but that's also when the shootout was in, in, installed into the NHL. And all of a sudden, everybody's trying all sorts of different moves, and you come out there with the slap shot. What made you first start it? Was it Jacques Lemaire telling you to try it?
0: Yeah, I think it was. As a matter of fact. Um... And the first time I did use it was, um, it wasn't, it it was a penalty shot actually. Yep.
1: Against Luongo, right? That's
0: right. That's right. And, um, I remember being really tired, um, because I just had gotten dragged down. I was on the penalty kill, I believe. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I was just thinking, what am I going to do here? So I went in and, and took a slap shot and shot glove side low and, uh, it worked. And then I used it, uh, a few more times in the shootout, so uh, it worked for me, you know. And then I would go away from it a little bit, and then come back to it. So um, it was it was a good thing because I think a lot of the goalies thought I was going to do it, and, and then <laughs> I could go to something else. But uh, you know, it was definitely Jacques. Jacques the one who who uh, started that one with me, and uh, and the rest is history, I guess.
1: Yeah, I know. I know Luongo was the uh, was definitely a penalty shot. I think you scored against. I know Chris Osgood. I remember that one. Um, yep. I re- there was a, was it Turco in Dallas or? Yeah. Turco, um, uh, Kiprasov. Yep. 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 And then, uh, and then obviously one of the great goals that I remember you scoring is when you, you took a shot, you flew into the offensive zone, I think down the right wing and took a shot from above the right circle. And, and, uh, Jean Sebastian ducked on the shot. Yeah. I don't know if you, you know, that. I
0: think, uh, yeah, I do remember that for sure. Um, it was one. I think it was like a knuckle puck on that one. I think it actually dropped, but he did. He did. Uh, he did duck and it. It went. It went in. So um, a lot of great memories, obviously, in Minnesota. What awesome fans! I mean, we had you know every game was sold out, and obviously a very well educated group of fans, and uh, couldn't have asked for a better place to play.
1: Yep, and you made the playoffs uh, two years while you were in Minnesota, won the division, the only division title in franchise history. Uh, the other thing I remember is I remember calling you at the 2008 All-Star game in Atlanta because um, Craig Leopold was just in the midst of buying the Minnesota Wild and his uh, one of his sons, probably his youngest son, 40, was wearing – a brian ralston jersey and i remember calling you and i'm like hey good news uh, the owners <laughs> the new owner's son is wearing a ralston jersey and I remember like, that, that was a shoe in that you, yeah that, that was a shoe in that you're going to resign and of course it just didn't work out but it, that was a good learning lesson to me that even the son's kid be, having brian ralston as a favorite player doesn't affect uh, business
0: yeah yeah business is business right um you it's- know the wild had offered me something that was low at, before um free agency and then they came back in that. after, um, with a, a bigger offer. And, um, I don't know, it was just one of those things. That I, Cause I initially, I definitely wanted to stay there, but, uh, You know, and my wife and I have talked about coming back to Minnesota, too, as well. So we we really enjoyed it.
1: Um, What was it like playing with Bill Guerin? I mean, you play with him in so many different places. If I'm not mistaken, not only obviously internationally and with the Devils and with the Bruins, I believe, but Mm -hmm. I'm pretty positive at the 2007 All-Star game that you were on a line with him and I believe Yannick Perot, And I still say that you got robbed of the MVP. I think you had two goals and two assists in a Western Conference win in Dallas. Um, you know, what yeah, was it I like think playing with Had
0: five points that game? But, uh, yeah, I Billy, know, but he, he
1: was, he was, on the losing team.
0: I know I got chipped. You should have that won one. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Billy, uh, I listen, I've known Billy a long time. Um, obviously he was a mainstay in New Jersey, uh, when I came in as a rookie. So he was one of those guys that I kind of lived with. And, uh, kind of took me under his wing at the time. We were both, you know, kids basically just out of college. Uh, he's a little bit older than me, but, uh, just an awesome guy. And I know Kara very well is, and, uh, he's, uh, I'm, I'm super excited that he's in the wild, he's at the wild. And I think he's going to do a great great job. Um, I've talked to some of the players, uh, that have uh, been underneath him. And Miko really thinks he's he's a strong leader for the organization. And, and I do as well. I mean, I wish him nothing but the best. And uh, he's, uh, Billy was a great player, a great uh, veteran player, a great leader. Um, we did play together in Boston. Obviously, he goes on later in his career in Pittsburgh to win a Stanley Cup. So he's been through it all. And, and he's been coached by a lot of great people. And he's got tremendous experience. And uh, I got all but love for Bill.
1: Well, since you and Jennifer are thinking of coming to Minnesota and your kids are soon to be out of the house, uh, you know, potentially a job maybe in the waiting here with the Wild, you think? Hey,
0: listen, you never know. You never know. <laughs> uh, I enjoy the coaching aspect of it, and uh, you just never know.
1: That'd be awesome. Um, that all game, you know the other thing that just popped in my head? Do you remember what you did the first time you, you lost the puck the first shift of the game? No. No. You came back into a neutral zone trap.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what happened, Mike, is, you know, our line was playing against uh, Ovechkin and Crosby. Right. And we're, uh, you know, we're thinking we're going to get cooked here. So we did. We kind of fell back into a trap because we were afraid those those two kids were going to make us look silly.
1: I just remember talking to you after the game. I think that we did the interviews after that game in the Dallas Mavericks practice facility and uh, on the basketball court. And I remember asking him, like, am I not mistaken or did you fall back into the Jacques trap on that first thing? And you're like, I did. And all of a sudden, like somebody yelled at me. You're like, you're in a role. You're in an All-Star game. And that's when you all of a sudden got out of it and went on the attack. And uh, I remember that was my whole lead of my game story for the Star Tribune at the time
0: that yeah and then you know how all-star games are i mean i remember brendan shanahan coming into the locker room saying hey listen we you know because the kids game was so bad the young guns game because yes. they didn't really try so yep. uh shanny and i think it was joe sackik they talked to both locker rooms saying hey we got to give a little bit of an effort here and because of the the you know the all-star games were such a joke that um, cause no one really tried. And I remember, I think I scored two slap shot goals or and that, and that was most of the time, no one <laughs> took slap shots in, in all-star yep. games. So, um, I guess I took that to heart, you know, the veteran guys wanted to <laughs> play hard, but it was, um, as I
1: mentioned. Yep. As I mentioned, I have a bunch of Twitter questions. Uh, Keith Landgrave actually has a great question. He he wanted to know if you were actually aiming when you would take the slap shot in the the shootout, or did you pretty much just let it rip?
0: That's a great question, because I think that um, amateur kids um, try to be too perfect with their shot. Uh, Most of the time when I shot the puck, I was shooting for areas, you know, not necessarily to pick corners perfectly. I had an idea where I was going. But i try to pound it mm-hmm. as hard as I could and and try to miss the goalie, basically. Um, you know, the shooter tutors and everything, they have the open corners. And, you know, it's great to to practice, practice at that. But sometimes when kids try to get too perfect, um, that's when they start missing the net and things like that. And I, I had a little lesson with with Ryder about that. Just make sure it hits a
1: net. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, uh, you know, you just, uh, reminded me we were in Dallas once and you, do you remember on a, on, a, um, I believe, I can't remember. I think you were shorthanded. You, you cleared the zone from the defensive side and actually put it in the netting on the other side. It was a penalty it was a delay game. Yep. Yes, yep. So I, remember I, that. I just, I don't know why that popped in, but it's the first time I've ever seen like shorthanded somebody from the other end of the rink, put it into the crowd on the far end, clearing the puck. And you guys went down on a five on three.
0: Yeah, I know. It did happen.
1: (laughs) Uh, Herbuck Ronick Brian, asks, uh, being he's a gear geek, he wanted to ask you uh, what was your curve and flex that you used and if you had a favorite stick of all time.
0: That's a great question. Um, Ryder and I right now are going through all – I've got a bunch of sticks from players that I played with and looking at all my old sticks, and I used Easton sticks. And the Easton Synergy stick, I had my own curve. It was more of a heel curve that I kind of modified throughout the year uh, throughout my career. But uh, the Easton Synergy, it was a gray, and I started that one in um, in Boston. It was kind of you know the. It's funny I have I have uh, an aluminum stick that I started with in 1994, 95, and then as uh, you can actually look at my career and look at the. Um, the evolution of the hockey stick it's it's hilarious that i and i have them here uh, in michigan with me but uh uh definitely the synergy eastern stick was my 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 favorite stick
1: that's great um hockey leaf wants to know if any coaches ever tried to talk you out of using the slap shot on shootouts
0: no 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 i mean i think coaches for the most part try to stay out of your head um and i think when you especially when When you get to that level, I think the coaches have enough confidence that uh, you're going to do whatever you can to score a goal. But uh, um, no, never uh, got talked out of it, no.
1: Here's a great question. Uh, Ralph Wiggum, uh, who obviously knows a lot about you, uh, favorite guitars and what are you listening to now? Uh, one of the favorite stories that I ever wrote about Brian Ralston was when you, uh, you, you talking about just your memories of once getting on stage with dropkick Murphys, if I remember at the old That's Boston right. garden. That's yep.
0: right. Yeah, we did. Uh, we, um, it was after a game against Vancouver. I actually won, uh, got a game winning goal, uh, in overtime against Vancouver. And then we went on stage, me and Nick Boynton, uh, with dropkick Murphys. That was awesome. Uh, actually, you know, this pandemic has got, gotten me back, uh, playing the guitar a little bit more, but you know, I have an acoustic acoustic Martin guitar. Uh, I have a, a ton of, um, guitars, uh, electric guitars. I have, um, you know, Les Pauls and, uh, Fender Stratocasters. Um, so I have a lot and, uh, maybe I'll go on Instagram live on Ralston hockey Academy one of these days and, uh, show off my, my guitars. Um, they're pretty cool. And, uh, you know, what I was going to do, Mike, one day is uh, throughout my career, um, I basically tried to find right, the best guys on the team, and I had them sign their jersey. So I have got, you know, from the Avalanche with Forsberg, Sackick, obviously Brodeur, and uh, from Minnesota, Minnesota, I have Gabby. I got a, a Pavel Dimitra signed uh, jersey. Just some awesome you know, Burnsy. I think I got one and, um, just, just some awesome players and with with, with that signed jerseys for me.
1: And you're, um, you know, I think a lot of wild fans also don't realize you're really tight with Zach Parisi as well, right? I saw you in Detroit a couple months ago when we were there and you, you guys were catching up.
0: Yeah. Zach obviously was a young player when I went back to New Jersey, um, at the end of my career. And, uh, just a great kid, another great leader that uh, Minnesota brought in. And um, it's been fun to watch him. Um, it's been fun to watch. Uh, he's such a he's such a tenacious player. And hopefully he can continue to do that.
1: By the way, what are you listening to now, music-wise?
0: I basically listen to the same stuff I've always listened to. I listen <laughs> to Pearl Jam, Coldplay. Uh, actually, the other day, I uh, started listening to a little bit of a Tragically Hip. Uh, that I used to listen to all the time when I was younger, but uh, um, sad that they lost the lead singer there, yeah. but uh, but uh, awesome music.
1: The first uh, concert that I'd ever gone to when I was a beat writer, we were actually, believe it or not, um, in Vegas, uh, the Florida Panthers uh, they were basically they, they played Tampa on like a Saturday and they were playing in San Jose on a Wednesday. And Terry Murray brought the team to Vegas for three or four days to practice before going to San Jose. And uh, Tragically Hip was playing, I believe, at the House of Blues um, in, or the Hard Rock in Vegas. And I saw them play and it was absolutely unbelievable.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I saw them play a few times, too. They're, they were awesome. They're a great, great Canadian band.
1: Yep, yep. By the way, uh, then the wild went on. I mean, the Panthers went on to like lose eight straight after that. And Terry did not have a job soon after. <laughs>
0: yeah. Don't, don't, Vegas don't take trip your, was your team to Vegas. We're
1: <laughs> <laughs> all, the oh, man. Yep. Yep. Uh, Aaron Heckman asks, uh, who was your biggest uh, supporter or mentor? Uh, would you say Jacques, or would you say, is there somebody else?
0: Uh, yeah. Jacques would probably be the guy. Uh, he, he was the guy that I had at the beginning of my career that, that helped me the most. Uh, a lot of great teammates too. Uh, You know, when you go into New Jersey and you got a captain like Scott Stevens and um, I lived with Scott Niedermeyer, all these guys kind of you you learn a lot from these players, uh, players that have been through things, players that uh, are great leaders. So you learn a lot from those players uh, that have had long careers.
1: You're not going to believe this. It just I mean, this just it's sometimes it's amazing how I can't remember anything, but it just popped in my head who dragged you down. Short-handed, that led to the penalty shot against Luongo. It was, it was Rory Fitzpatrick.
0: I was going to say he's that. The one,
1: yeah. He's the one that uh, brought you down. The only reason why that just popped in my head is that I was, when I was uh, looking up the 2007 all-star game stuff, I remember there was the Rory Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick campaign to get him into the all-star game that year and they I had these like that. campaign attack ads against like Chris Pronger and Scott Niedermeyer. and one of the attack ads was this like 37 30 I tweeted it out today this 30 second clip of me writing that Scott Niedermeyer skated effortlessly and it said do you want an effortless uh player in the uh in the all-star game pick Rory Fitzpatrick
0: oh boy I remember that that was funny
1: Yep. Uh Andrew Wordward you just brought up your teammates. Uh he he wanted to know your favorite teammate with the Wild and outside from the Wild.
0: Well, Miko would be one of my my favorite teammates. I mean, we had a, we had good guys on that team. Obviously, uh Pavel Demitra, uh Gabby, all the young guys. Burnsy was a character. Um you know, I've had some great captains, Joe Sakic. Uh played with Forsberg, uh, you know, I played with a lot of great uh, players and a lot of great guys and a lot of great captains and uh, so um, Zach obviously is right up there uh, is a a kid early on I knew it was a special kid and uh, so there there's been a lot.
1: Uh, the dog father asks um, if you have a uh, best young Miko Koivu story.
0: Well, the best one, and I think Miko tells this as well, and you know, Glenn Murray. And I know I, I,
1: I, I, I got it. I'll interject real quick. This yeah. piece of advice that you gave Miko, it, I can't stand anymore.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know. Why. And I'll tell I'm you actually, why after
1: you tell the story. Yeah. With Miko,
0: um, me, well, you know, Glenn Murray and I, when I was in Boston, we had this thing never too high, never too low. Obviously you go out and score two goals and you think it. you know, you're, uh, you know, living the dream, obviously. And we know it, the, the, the season is such a marathon. You have 82 games and the ups and downs are just crazy. So sometimes things are going really well and sometimes it's not going so well. So it's very important as a professional to say, you know, never too high and never too low. And uh, that's something I remember. Miko scored a big goal early on in, his, uh, uh, in that season And he was just pumped. I don't know if he even scored. It might've been two goals. I'm not sure what it was, but I was just like, all right, kid. I was like, if one thing I'm going to teach you is, is never too high and never too low and try to keep an even keel, you know, I'm happy for you, but tomorrow's a new day, you know? So that was a, that was a big teaching point for him. And, uh, you know, and, and you learn that as you get older, you get, you're very excited about scoring goals and, and it's great to to be excited, but uh you know it's long and, and continue to be a pro on a daily basis.
1: Um, yeah, and the reason why I was kidding with you that I hate the advice is because um because one, Miko has told me that you've told him that about a thousand times, but but the reason why is because every time we interview him and he does have like this crazy game or like it's his thousandth game he scores the shootout winner, he'll always like just at that point where he's about to kind of maybe because you know him he's all team yeah brian. yeah and right when he's about to start talking to him about himself individually or or something really heartfelt all of a sudden he'll just stop and say you know never too high or never too low and i would <laughs> be like god <laughs> darn it ralston exactly oh, no. you're not going to get any good so, stories from
0: from miko <laughs>
1: <laughs> the other uh, brian ralston quote that i do remember you saying a lot is you used to say it is what it is all the time
0: <laughs> i don't know
1: all the time I,
0: well maybe uh i don't know Maybe that was my my <laughs> that was my catchphrase when uh, things didn't go my way probably.
1: Yeah. I think it was every time, "Hey, you you ticked off at your ice time? Uh, it is what it is." I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, um, Alec Essa, uh, if you have a most memorable goal of your career?
0: Um we actually did that on my um, Instagram and I put one that I scored on the uh, on um, shorthanded on um Kiprasoft. Yeah, I went around DMF enough. He got caught flat-footed and uh, I went in and kind of did a one-handed uh, goal. So that was my favorite goal uh, that I that I put up recently. I'll
1: have to um, making sure I follow you on Instagram. I'm going to make sure right now. This way when you do your uh, your tour of all your memorabilia, I could see it. Yeah, so. it's pretty cool. Yep, just followed you. Ralston Hockey. Um yeah, and when you do that, you should let me know and I'll pump it up on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. So um, a couple more Twitter questions, Brian. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Again, we're talking with Brian Ralston, uh, the uh, Wild three-time 30 goal scorer, one of the best free agent pickups in Minnesota Wild history, and uh, at a really good price, Brian as well. <laughs> so good price for the Minnesota Wild, I'm saying.
0: Yes, yes, it was a good, it was a good <laughs> deal for me too.
1: Yeah, um, except that you lost a year, you know, which you know you just kind of that's the type of stuff you never make back, you know.
0: Yeah, I know. That was my would have been my first year. It was 2005. I had I had one of my kids uh, in Minnesota. So,
1: Um, Tukey asks, uh, does he still rock a soul patch?
0: Actually, I I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's my pandemic soul patch. But uh, no, I I haven't really uh, I haven't really had one um, after I played but I am through the pandemic.
1: <laughs> One of my uh, editors at the, uh, at the athletic Mark Wallman, he's, he says he's not shaving until there's a vaccine. That should be what you do with your soul patch. Oh just my it God. Until... <laughs> it's going to be huge. I'm going to have to braid it. Yep. Um, Top shelf brewery has a couple questions. questions. Uh, why did you pick number 12? That's a good
0: question. I think I just, I was just given number. Um, I was 14 in New Jersey. And then uh, I went to, I went to uh, the Avalanche. I was 15. They were just given to me. Lou, Lou didn't give you uh, much of a choice in New Jersey on what number you were going to be. So <laughs> I was 14 there. And then uh, when I got to Boston, I just got 12. Um, and the only thing I could think is I was like, Adam Oates wore 12. And I thought that was cool. Uh, but uh, but from then on, 12 was my number.
1: That's that's cool. What would Lou Lamorello do if he had a soul patch back on those Devils teams?
0: No, he does not allow any of that. There's not. That's not happening.
1: <laughs> um. Also, from Top Shelf Brewery, your favorite memory of the '92 NCAA tournament with Lake Superior State, and how good was Paul Korea in the '93 championship?
0: Yeah. Um. In 19, when my favorite thing, I scored the game winner in that game against Wisconsin that we won. Um. That was my freshman year, and then my sophomore year, we made it to the finals against Paul Korea. And uh, the main black bears, uh, Gar Snow was the goal goalie in that uh, game as well. Um, Paul Korea was awesome. Um, I remember we were both up for the Hobie Baker, and I believe he won it that year. He was a freshman, but uh, uh, he was a very special player, and uh, obviously had a great career and um, just a real good player.
1: Am I? Uh, and Mike Greenlay, he was he. Uh... Was before your time there? Yeah, he was before my time. Okay. Yep. Um. And yeah, he was a Lake Superior guy. Played for Jeff Jackson as well. Um, That's right. And uh, they won a national championship as well. His teams, if I remember correctly, right?
0: I'm not sure. Um. I know my freshman year we won it. The second year we got beat by Maine. And then when I left to play in the 1994 Olympics in '94, Lake State won it again. It would have been my junior year.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think Greenland won a national title there. I could be wrong. I mean, he, I know he has, he has pictures of himself in the oval o- office, uh, visiting, uh, Ronald Reagan with his college team. Oh, so nice. I gotta think they must've won it. Yeah. Uh, that was back when I guess you were allowed to go into the oval office on these, uh, visits. No I don't kid, think, right? uh, after nine 11, that's allowed. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, last question from Twitter. Uh, Kevin Lucko says that his wife Amy uh, is the biggest Brian Ralston fan ever. Started watching you in oh seven oh eight. Would you be willing to wish her a happy belated birthday to Amy?
0: Yeah, of course. Happy belated birthday to Amy. Uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of cool. Um, you know, when you're retired for as you know, you get away from the game. You really get away from the game. But um, no, I appreciate that. Yeah,
1: the, uh, you know, I, I, and, you know, you are, I've always been that way. I remember, um, just a couple, what, like a, three or four days ago, I texted you a direct message I got from a high school student at Tatino you know, Grace telling me how big of a fan, uh, he was of you and how much he wanted to, you know, uh, you know, write a paper about what you meant to him and all this stuff. So I sent it to you and you're like, give the guy my number. And so I think he, he I think you guys talked the other day as well, right?
0: Yeah, we did. He called me and, uh, kind of told me the story and, uh, I was happy to to talk to him. Uh, what a you know it's 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 nice to hear those things. Obviously, I try to always um, be good to the fans. Obviously, and when you leave the game, uh, you realize that uh, they're what makes the National Hockey League special, and and uh, they make you they put you up on a pedestal, and and it's important that uh, you take time for them.
1: Well, you know, I think that was, I think what everybody, when everybody asked me, and I'm not just blowing smoke here, when people ask me, like, you know, your favorite player that you've ever covered, you know, you were one of the ones that I, that I covered here, and I, I consciously remember, so when you debuted with the Wild in 05, that was sort of your, quote, rookie year with the Minnesota Wild, that was my rookie year covering the Minnesota Wild. And I remember walking into that locker room the first day of training camp. And here I've been a veteran hockey writer. I cover the league for ten years at that point. But I remember being so nervous that all these players that were on the wild before the lockout are not gonna know who this new guy is because I wasn't around the team. And I remember sure. consciously thinking, like I'm gonna the first person I'm gonna try to go into introduce myself to is Brian Ralston because he has no clue that I'm new. And uh, from that point on, you and I were real tight covering this team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um You know, I remember that you had came in from, uh, Florida and, uh, the good thing is I had good years there, so you didn't have to. You didn't have anything bad to write about me, so that's good.
1: That's true. That is. If a great it, it was
0: in New Jersey, you might have had some bad things to say. <laughs>
1: oh man, that is always that. That's always the toughest. I remember I felt that way. I felt bad for Mark Parrish because when he was in Florida, I covered him his first two years in Florida when he scored fifty goals as you know his first two years in the league, and then I covered him at sort of the end of his career here in Minnesota. <laughs> You got to see a sort of a different Michael Russo. So, yeah, it just shows you.
0: Well, hey, part Brian. of the business.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, well, you, hey, you are a class act. Uh, really looking forward to watching Ryder uh, start off his college career. Uh, a- a- Andy Slaggard is uh, one of my uh, closest friends, and um, and he's going to be under really good tutelage there. And it'll just be fun to watch uh, uh, Andy and, and uh, Coach Ryder. And frankly, uh, Ryder play with all the Slaggard boys that are going to be there, too. Landon's there. Graham is there. Um, so it'll be fun watching the Irish uh, with Ryder on the team.
0: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm I'm excited for Ryder, and I appreciate uh, you having me on. And uh, uh, best of luck to you, and, and uh, go wild, right?
1: Yep, absolutely. Hey, thanks, Brian. And again, uh, check out our new comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic App. Say hello. Uh, Let us know how we're doing. We want to hear what you uh, say about this and what guests you might like to see for the future or here in the future. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to Straight from the Source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com, slash Straight from the Source, you will get 40% off your subscription. Thanks, Brian, so much. No
0: problem.